Hey everyone, welcome to the Chris the Freelancer podcast. This is the podcast all about location independence, time freedom, and living life on your terms. Each week we interview a new guest on the show and today I'm sitting down with Blake Moore, a former recruiter, now growth hacking digital nomad. In today's episode, we talk about Blake's experience with finding remote work and how he ended up in his current role as a growth hacker. We also go into what it means to be a growth hacker and the benefits of working remotely. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode one with Blake Moore. For show notes and more, visit christafreelancer.com. All right, I'm here with Blake Moore. How are you doing, Blake? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How does it feel to be the first guest on the podcast? <laughs> awesome. Really, really Amazing. good. Excited to be on. Are you honored? I am. I am honored. I am honored. So Blake and I know each other uh, from, we met in Bali and then he's been kind of following me around the world. <laughs> we bumped into each other in um, Kuala Lumpur and then now we're here in Chiang Mai, Thailand. We're loving it. I've been here for a month, like uh, a month ago, and you've been here like a few weeks now? Yeah, two and a half weeks, and yeah, it's, it's awesome. Such a cool place. Yeah, awesome. So basically, for starting out on the podcast, I want to get um, you know really in depth about people's origin story and how they went from basically you know a lot of the listeners out there might be working a nine to five, they might be in a corporate job, might be doing something that's not digital whatsoever. So for the f- the focus for the first few episodes on this podcast are going to be about um, you know sort of how you mapped that progress from wherever you started to you know where you are now. I thought let's get into the the origin story like take us right back to the to the to the beginning maybe not like when you you know were born or anything but but um sort of when when did you decide you wanted to do this kind of lifestyle was it a progressive thing or yeah start out it was it was super progressive cuz I um I took a gap year when I was well let me break that back even more so I was born in the UK um, in a place called Sheffield in the north of England. Um, then I moved to Portugal when I was uh, like in my teens and stayed there for a few years. Then I spent about six or seven months traveling in Asia, um, doing various charity projects and just traveling around when I was 18 uh, before heading to university. And that was kind of the start of like the travel bug got me a little bit then. Yeah, I get you. So it was, it was on that gap year that you kind of developed the travel bug side and then... Yeah, and it, and it, was, always, it was always one of those things that, you know, my, my family were always like, well, you know, you need to get a job now and, and settle down somewhere and, and build a career. Mm. Um, and for me, I always had this thing in, the, in my mind where I was thinking, I'm going to take a, some sort of break. I, I guess you could call it a sabbatical. <laughs> yeah. um, and I always had that in my mind for my, my mid-20s. And I was going to just uh, take a break. And the idea was to go back to whatever I was doing. Um, but it didn't plan out, like, turn out like that, I guess. Okay. Yeah, so I, I basically went then to university in Southampton, then moved to London um, with a couple of friends and worked in the recruitment space, which I didn't really, I was, I was good at it, mm-hmm. but it, I didn't really, like, have a passion for it. Yeah. Um, but I, but the interesting part was that I did like digital marketing recruitment, so I worked in tech, okay. um, which I really liked. So I saw people doing stuff I wanted to do. Was it like a like a classic 
nine to five kind of corporate job, dress up for work, um, yeah. be there between set hours. Um, so I was lucky, like my, I didn't have to wear a suit or anything like that. Okay, <laughs> it was like jeans and a, and a like, you could even wear, you just have to have like a shirt or something. Okay, it was cool. super casual because we worked with like um, big tech companies. So we did a lot of recruitment with Facebook um, and some other stuff with a lot of travel startups as well. So for us, it was never, you had to reflect the clients. Um, but yeah, it, it was a bit of a grind. It was more like eight till seven. <laughs> it was like super long. I had to be up yeah. at like 6.30 in the morning and then get home at like, after commuting an hour, Yeah. get home at like eight, eight, eight thirty. 8.30. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I think I remember that you and, and your friend, Zach, who's Zach, hopefully I want to get him on this podcast as well. So um, hopefully you guys will hear from him as well. He's in San Fran uh, at the moment, actually. He's, San Francisco, he's going around, yeah, he's yeah. in New York. And then like, I don't know how, like he's like the flashy digital nomad, <laughs> like bouncing back between, like we're bouncing back between like Chiang Mai, Saigon, you know, Bali. He's bouncing back between San Francisco, <laughs> New York, London, Manchester. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about him when we we'll hopefully get him on the show. But you kind of decided um, to sort of take that sabbatical when you were working at that recruitment job. Is that correct? And then you yeah. and um, Zach sort of saved up, quit and flew. flew yeah, so so it was, it was kind of like we were both egging each other on a little bit to do it. And, and it was literally, we just booked the flight. <laughs> and it was quite a lot in advance, like a few months. Um, and we're like, right, okay, we've got X amount of months. Let's let's work this out. Um, but for me, it, I didn't I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, I was I was trying to like forge something, um, and I had a few ideas. Like, I started a couple of like recruitment based things because I knew that, but really it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. Um, but yeah, I guess we can come on to that. But oh, what was the question again? <laughs> Oh, sort of. How did it? How did it go from you in that job working recruitment yeah. to, um, you know, the first step to like leaving and, and yeah. going nomadic? It was it was a crazy like kind of build up really because it was a it was a big big shift because obviously a lot of my friends are in like not not necessarily corporate jobs but but jobs in London. I had a lot of friends there who were doing yeah, yeah things that I guess you're supposed to do in your your twenties, just following the the steps like building up to save for for a house, get a mortgage. So okay. it was a bit scary in that respect because I was making this big jump and my family thought it was the most stupid thing ever. Like they were just like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> okay, how long was it scheduled to go for? How long in advance? No, how long were you planning to go away for or were you planning to sort of leave and, and not have, did you have like a return ticket for example? No, so I, we always said that we'd, so we left in October last year. Yeah. And we always booked to go home at Christmas because, yeah, we both came to the decision that we wanted to be home with our family. And, and if we're living this lifestyle, that's one of the perks of it, right? Being able yeah. to move around as, as you want. So we always said, right, we'll, we'll fly home at Christmas. But then we already had a flight out again after Christmas. And that one had no return ticket. Okay. So, yeah, it was, there was no, no return. Okay, when did you leave? Like, how far was Christmas in advance? So we left, I think it was October the 19th. Oh, okay. So we had two and a half months, uh, which we traveled quite a lot. Yeah. Which was super difficult. <laughs> yeah. And were you, like, attempting to work or yeah. online or were you just, like, sort of on the side sussing out your projects and stuff? Like, both, um, which, 
and, and you know the more stuff you read I'm sure you've, you've heard it and everyone has like a different opinion on how you should do it yeah. um, people are like well you know you should build up a, a side business before you go so you've got an income yeah. um, but I <laughs> I'm not very good at, at, at like kind of juggling a lot of stuff yeah I've got like tunnel vision with stuff so I, I literally probably got a max of like three or four projects like yeah. that I could focus on and actually do and even that is a lot I think right now I've got so many projects and you know I've just started this job where I'm doing um, 30 hours a week so yeah I don't have weekends anymore (laughs) weekends are like my time to work on the other stuff but definitely prioritizing that is really hard but I guess it was kind of like that that for you was still a discovery process yeah the the first couple of months were were just trying a lot of different stuff so you know I I went out, so a couple of projects I had, I had like this this CV resume business, um, which was just about trying to like, because I, I knew how to do that. And I thought, what do I know how to do that I can sell on the road? Yeah. And it made sense just to, you know, sort out people's CVs and, and sell that. But there were a few big problems with that. The first was that my price point was way too low. Um, you know, I was charging like, 25 to 30 pounds for a CV when people online, if you want the proper money doing that you're looking at like building a, a product around it okay. which I didn't do so that that was like it never really got off the ground and I wasn't super passionate about it um, then I was also doing a lot of like freelance work on like people per hour and up work oh, mostly people per hour because um, Zach actually sold me on that my friend Zach yeah. and, uh, so I was earning a little bit of cash doing that but what kind of work were you doing um, anything like I would do anything I'd do like uh, proofreading copywriting uh, like testing out um, <laughs> like and, websites and just sort of position yourself for those roles would you just call on your recruitment experience or your degree or yeah it, it was pretty much like totally different for every job um, yeah. <laughs> which was the other bad point because I was spending so much time pitching for these jobs and I, and I wasn't really focusing on one thing I wanted to be good at yeah. Um, and yeah that, I mean you know the it was it was tough because you weren't I wasn't earning as much as I needed to be earning to to live sustainably I guess in the first couple of months. Yeah. Okay. So you had some project ideas that mm-hmm. you know. Did you did you like make some money out of that or was it kind of you were just like yeah I, a, yeah, yeah I mean you, you it was you yeah I was I was making probably too. like a hundred hundred and fifty two hundred a month oh, pounds. pounds. But good. it was not enough to live. Oh, yeah. But it's good but, starting out though. Wow. Yeah. But also I wrote a book as well. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, so oh, but that was I another thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote a a book about um my journey in recruitment. Uh it's called Oh maybe you did tell me about this. Yeah, it's wow, called man. The Recruiter Guide. Uh what the hell is recruitment? Yeah. And but that was another thing. That was a bit of like a therapy <laughs> project. Yeah. <laughs> like um just kind of understanding trying to take something away from my time in recruitment and um but equally with that that was like going to be a slow burner and I, and I didn't even do any research so it was you know into like the niche so now I've been out here a long time and you see people that are producing info products and writing ebooks yeah. there's a lot of research and stuff that goes into that and I just kind of did it and threw it out there yeah. um and it actually does it, I have made like a little bit of money like a tiny bit out of that yes. But nowhere near enough. <laughs> yeah, have you found that that's kind of wet, wetted your appetite for that kind of stuff? Because I know with 
you know, I'm on YouTube and, um, mm. you know, my website's monetized and, you know, I, I get a little bit of money come in through that and it kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of like a new reality for me, kind of finally having a website with like good amounts of traffic and, and, and making a few, a uh, few dollars here and there kind of, at least for me, sparked my, like, inspired me a bit, you know, and, um, that's why I'm working on a lot more sort of projects now and, and, and seeing what, what offers I can create. It was it the same similar thing for you or yeah for sure I think um, but but the only thing that always held me back from really committing to that was the fact that I knew it was a really long game and I, and I didn't have the luxury of the time to play out the long game do you know what I mean totally yeah I had I had literally like I had a runway of like six months so <laughs> as soon as I hit that six months I was like right I'm screwed here I've either got to go home or get a job or there's got to be something. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point actually because, you know, I'm inspired to do a lot of things out here and, um, you know, sometimes you just got to focus on the short term, you know, like... You've got to eat, right? <laughs> yeah, you've got to eat. Even in, even in Thailand where things are cheap, you still got to make some some money online, you know? It's not free. And I mean, I, and, and, I, and I can see that there are some people that are really like hacked the, the, the game and, and are really, you know, playing it really well. Yeah. And I'm earning like passive income from like content creation and, and stuff like that. But yeah, you've got to have the, the other hustle as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what was, um, so what was the turning point? You were, you were, yeah. you were like, um, traveling, working on a bunch of different stuff. When did it sort of, when did it start to become that you were location independent and, and how that come about? Yeah. So that, that was what was strange because the first couple of months we, we traveled a lot. We did. Um, Thailand, Malaysia, and the whole of Vietnam in like two months. Yeah. Um, but we moved around pretty quick. I think the most we stayed in a place was probably a week, which yeah. for me is a little too fast. Yeah, I get you. Um, and, I, and it was just because we, we were still excited about seeing stuff again and, and traveling. And so, yeah, I, I did feel location independent because we, we were working on the move. Like it was still about the work. Um, which was a running theme. So it wasn't just like partying and stuff like that. But yeah. um, things really took a turn, I guess, in like January yeah. when I went away again and I thought, actually, I'm going to run out of money in like the next like three months, yeah. <laughs> three or four months. I need to like work this out. Yeah. <laughs> so I just went on like a big offensive and thought, how am I going to, how am I going to achieve like the the money to be able to keep living this lifestyle yeah. and live where I want um, and that took the form of, of getting a remote job for then um, and just really pushing like the yeah just just pushing to find something that was a remote job where it was a steady income for that little yeah. bit of time um, yeah okay so tell tell us about the the job and how you yeah. how you got it yeah so I it was really weird I was applying for it was the same same thing as when I started I was like right okay I will literally just hammer the emails hammer the networking just see what I can get um, and I actually so, so the funny thing is as well is uh, Zach who we spoke about he had a client um, in the US um, and he actually needed some additional support with that so I was earning some cash with that as well um, which was which was like kind of that was a turning point I guess as well because that showed me that I could earn regular money so yeah. that was a couple of hundred pounds a month um, uh-huh which showed me that I could earn regular money and it wasn't going to disappear and it was like a regular client, which was good. But I needed more than that. Um, 
So I just hammered the emails and applied for loads of stuff like customers. It was really weird. I didn't want to be doing it, but I would just do anything at that point. Yeah. Like customer support roles, copywriting. I, I like writing, but I don't, and I can write, oh. but I don't really enjoy it. <laughs> and where do you find these opportunities? Was it on a remote job board or anything like that? Yeah. So a lot of remote job boards. So um, remote. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we work remotely. And just going through like generic job boards as well and trying to find stuff that was remote. Yeah. So you can find a lot like on Indeed where it's like someone who is looking for someone remote, but it, not, it isn't necessarily advertised as that. Okay. Um, so you can kind of figure it out, read between the lines. Yeah. And I basically, I read, <laughs> it didn't actually, this didn't work, but I did it. I made a list. I just kept finding lists of all remote companies. And just first of all checking if they had any positions, and then just firing out emails. Yeah. Um, and it did. It did in the end. Like I had a couple of things that came through that that could have developed, but I didn't take them um, through that. So if anyone's looking to find a remote job, I definitely suggest doing that. Just actually reach out because half those jobs aren't advertised. Yeah. Um, you just got to like make the job. <laughs> so these were companies that weren't advertising at all, or companies that were advertising but not necessarily remotely. Uh, companies that worked remotely. So you've got like uh, Automatic, Buffer, oh, companies like that. You know, there's there's a ton and there's lists out there of all these companies basically. Okay. Um, and I just kept reaching out systematically to like hiring managers mm. within there, which is where the recruitment. <laughs> training paid off I guess yeah and uh yeah I mean in within that I did build up a good network within that and got a few opportunities come through but it was a bit took a bit of a while to get them but then what I did end up doing I actually applied for like a a content role um and then did some work on on the content um it was just about tech which I was interested in then that developed into I, I met the guy well was introduced to the guy who who needed some help on like uh, like growth hacking and like growth marketing? Yeah, and he was like, "Okay, cool. Well, I'll I need help. Like, do you want to have like an interview for for some of my to help me with some of my clients?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's exactly what I want to be doing. Like, <laughs> sure, like I'll hundred percent do that. Like, where do I where do I sign up?" Yeah, <laughs> and um, and that started off just like I, I I spoke to him a lot about this position, this one client in particular that I work with now. Um, and eventually he was like, okay, cool. Well, here you go. We'll, we need like 10 to 15 hours a week on this. Um, and that was perfect for me. Yeah. Uh, and that was just like that along with the stuff I had with my friend Zach was like steady income. Um, and I just wanted to, I wanted to build up my funds again and get some more cash. And that worked perfectly. Awesome. And when, when about did this all happen? Was this is pretty recent or? Yeah. So I start, I started uh, searching for the, like as I said in January and I started that towards the end of January at the start of February yeah. so I've been doing it like six months now mm. um, and that's led to a load of other clients and opportunities and spin-off clients that I work with myself out of that yeah. and yeah it has a lot of lot of pros to it which is cool awesome and what would you I guess what would you attribute most of your success to in terms yeah. of being able to find these location independent jobs and being able to like you know like really good ones where you're you know you're working on interesting stuff you know um it would it was there any sort of did you invest in your education at all learn on the job or it was it um was did your time at university or recruitment prepare you for this stuff like what, what do you think really helped you in that in that regard what gave you an advantage recruitment for sure because I've always had an interest in tech and, and digital and just, yeah, the internet as a whole and, and marketing. And 
with that job, I just kind of fell into that sector. So I built a really solid network within that as well, okay. um, which was cool. And then it just kind of made me think, I want to be doing that. And then when I came out here, it naturally just progressed that I was like, yeah, I, I can do that now. Like, why not? Okay, so it was <laughs> I just made it happen. It was good that you did you that you were working in that digital niche within sure. recruitment because as we kind of all know, it's like the digital jobs are the ones where you can yeah. be location independent and, and go remote. Yeah, yeah, and it and it was it was that 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 kind of swung it, I guess. And it was good to have some insight into how those companies worked. Mm-hmm. So when you are speaking to people and, and networking, you, you're not just going in blind and just trying to throw some sort of experience you've had. And match it up with what they do. Yeah, <laughs> I actually had some valid experience, which was which was good. It might not have been quite right, but it was something to work with. Okay. Um. Yeah. Um. So what with this whole thing? I, I guess you could be. I'm sure you could be back. You know, back yeah. in London, building a career there. What's what's sort of the the motivation to um, work and travel? Is it the travel, or is it um, having that freedom to live where you want, or do you want to you prefer living in Asia for example or yeah. what's sort of the motivation because I like to find that out from people some people um, and I've, I've surveyed my audience um, some people want to travel and I think that was that was the thing that motivated me yeah. to get into it initially and it still does motivate me but you know I some people just want to live outside their country you know or um, build sort of have freelance uh, sort of freedom in their work so they want to have a freelance business yeah or maybe they you know want to get involved in co-working which i guess is a side effect of all of this stuff but what was what's your what was your motivation and what continues to be your motivation to kind of live this lifestyle yeah just having the the freedom in in the way i live my life and the way i work um i am i'm quite career driven which i think is a big misconception with with uh, digital nomads we, we spoke about that before and, it, and it's People do think that we're out here to live an easy life, but I really enjoy like working hard and, and building cool stuff. Like it's not, I'm not here just to like freeload and, and earn enough to get by. You want to be successful still. So, yeah. um, but having the opportunity to actually focus on projects I want to work on and and have the freedom to to manage my time the way I want, that's what I really value. Um, and in terms of where living in Asia. Um, predominantly, I came here because I, you know, I've been here before and I did really like it. I love the culture here, and and the other thing is, it's it's the best place to be building a business because, or, or building businesses or freelancing or anything because one, you've got the network of people, a lot of people doing the same thing, mm-hmm. and the second is, yeah, you can live here really cheap and and have the cash to then invest in whatever you're doing. So it's like it's not there's no sacrifice. Yeah, to me, it seems like a. Um a bit of a no-brainer and yeah. I think definitely if you're wanting to start an online business and you're saving up money so that you can quit your job to work on it to me it doesn't make sense why if it's going to be purely online why you would do it in an expensive country even if you live even that's if that's yeah. where you're from so it makes a ton of sense to come out to somewhere like Chiang Mai to give yourself a bigger runway plus you got a bunch of other people out here doing the same thing and I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't drop shipping at all. And um, now I'm going to drop shipping meetups. I'm still not technically drop shipping, but I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I should get involved in this. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy. The, the entrepreneurial influence out here, um, you know, I sit at the table. It depends, you know, it's 
co-working space so it varies but sometimes I work at a table where everyone's earning like you know I've got a 21 year old at the table earning over um, you know two to four grand a month passive basically we've got um, Johnny FD some of you might know him and um, another uh, guy I'm working with called Max and and yeah it's crazy like that's what you know like I was initially motivated by the travel stuff but like now I realize it's so important for me to be here for the networking potential and having that kind of influence around me and I think Chiang Mai is you know one of the best cities for that yeah I totally agree I I was I was in two minds about coming to Chiang Mai (laughs) because I just wasn't sure if it was where I wanted to be because um, I, I do really like being near the beach and if I can live anywhere in the world, why not live near a beach? But <laughs> but then I came here and I was like, well, actually, I'm getting so much out of being around these people that are doing really well and, and doing cool stuff that, yeah, yeah it's, it's a no-brainer really to, to hang around here. <laughs> yeah. And what, what other places have you been? You've... Um... Uh, I've met you. Well, you've obviously been to Bali and Kuala Lumpur because yeah. I saw you there. But um, any anywhere else? Um, any interesting like places you've been and yeah. any so you, experiences in that regard? Yeah. So as I said before, before Christmas it was quite like rapid travel. So I'd been to Thailand quite a lot before, like a few trips here. Yeah. So we came here for a couple of weeks just to kind of adjust <laughs> and, and kind of decompress from, from London and, and just kind of, yeah, reflect on everything, which was good. Um, so spent some time in the islands then, like in Koh Yang, which was good. Um, but then we went to Kuala Lumpur, which I've kind of fallen in love with a little bit. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah and I, we've got friends that like it as well, and I just, I don't, I don't like it at all. But no, I, I really like it. And I think the reason why I like it is you've got the benefits of being in, in quite a, a western feeling city um with really good infrastructure um but at the same time like you can live in the center of the city for not much money like literally in the smack bang in the middle um and it's super affordable and i think it's the the people are really nice the food's really good i don't think you can really complain (laughs) oh okay okay um yeah i don't i don't don't hate it but i mean like it's it's I don't know. There's nothing really exciting about it for me. And part of the, part of the reason why I love being a part of this movement is, um, you know, the community aspect. Yeah. And that's probably the predominant reason. I mean, Chiang Mai is, is such a livable city as well, but the predominant reason why I'm, I'm here, why I love it here is, is that community of people. Yeah. Um, and Kuala Lumpur really lacks that, which is, no. which is surprising given that it is quite good as a digital nomad city given what you just said you know no i totally i do agree with you i think it yeah it's a place for me i probably should rephrase it i don't think i could live there for like a month at a time like i live here but it's a place i like to go for like a few days or a tops like a week just to feel like i'm at home for a little bit (laughs) it just i I think that's the only reason but yeah i totally agree um that the lack of community does let it down a little bit um but if you're in Asia and you're looking for somewhere to like kind of uh, just go and, and feel like at home for a little bit, <laughs> it's a good place to stop by yeah. um, for sure. Um, but then we, we yeah, spent a bit of time in, in Vietnam. Um, a favorite place there was a place called Hoi An, yeah. which uh, right in the center, I mean, it's got no, no digital nomad community whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> but I heard it's quite chill there super cool and it and it's so nice like the people are amazing um and they've got it's like a 
an, a world, UNESCO World Heritage Site. So they've got uh, the town just closes off and it's you can't like drive around it. Um, and it's down by a river. It's super cool. And we met a lot of like people that are living there that aren't necessarily uh, digital nomads, but uh, like expats, but not even old either. Um, <laughs> but it was a really cool place. So I really like that. Um, and then, yeah, we spoke about Bali, but we also spent time in, in India as well, mm-hmm. which was cool, but, but full of, um, <laughs> there were a lot of, like, uh, free-spirited people, I guess, like hippies. Especially, <laughs> uh, you were in Goa, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Which, <laughs> that's, like, the home of free-spirited uh, yeah. hippies, I guess. So not, not the best place to uh, be trying to knuckle down and get some work done. And the internet is terrible, so... Yeah. Yeah. But, it's crazy how that... You would think that the, I would think at least the internet would be good because there's so many offshore right. workers there, you know, um, but they must like invest a heap in infrastructure, or, uh, digital yeah. infrastructure or something. I think in like major cities, they like, we, we spent a bit of time in Mumbai as well and you did get really quick internet there, but I think it's super isolated and it's all about if the businesses, I guess, are investing in it, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. But what, what's your, what's been your favorite? Spot um, apart from Chiang Mai, Ch- oh, apart from Chiang Mai, <laughs> um, Koh Lanam, probably. I don't know, I just can't go past Thailand. It's right, just right. It, even though, like, you know, Koh Lanam is a different, um, you know, completely different to Chiang Mai, it's still Thailand. And it, it's it's funny actually, I didn't realize because I, I never, you know, focused too much on which is really weird as, a, as I'm a digital, like I work in digital or whatever, but I'm, I'm not like a, I don't know much about internet speeds or stuff like that. Like if the internet's good, the internet's good kind of thing to me. Um, but what funny thing I've realized is, is the internet's actually better in Thailand than in Australia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I mean the, you know, so we got better internet in Thailand. We got, um, uh, you know, the food is great and affordable and you know it's a beautiful country people are, are, are really like chill yeah so no matter where you go in thailand it seems like you're pretty okay like that like koh lanta as an island it's not like koh samui for example it's not it's it's you feel like you're on an island it's it, there's yeah. no illusions there um and yet the internet still great i mean it it'll cut out like every now and then and, and you know the power will cut out i mean like it's an island but when the when the internet's on, it's it it works. It's fast. You can have Skype calls. I, I remember having like the best upload speeds that I've ever had, and in Colanta in Cohab, which was <laughs> was crazy. Like I've, you know, like because I do a lot of video uploading, um, and yeah, it was crazy speeds there. So yeah, nothing beats Thailand for me right now. But I'm really really interested in Vietnam. Yeah, v- Vietnam's cool. I think I I did really like it. Um, I didn't like Ho Chi Minh though. We we only spent like okay. two, three days there, like not very long, but but it was just so hectic. Yeah. Um, which wasn't like my. I'm not a huge fan like of of really really big hectic cities. Like I don't really like Bangkok that much. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's just personal preference. But then everyone raves about it, so I'm sure it must have some good qualities. Yeah, it's totally different strokes for different folks. <laughs> um, and and you just and and even um. The way you talk about um, how, like, well, it's a no-brainer. If I can work anywhere, why wouldn't I work near the beach? <laughs> to me, that's not, like, a no-brainer. Like, I, I, um, I'm different, you know? Like, yeah. I actually, 
I think I, I'm still learning, but I, I think I like Ch- what Chiang Mai is, like the size of it. It's not too big. Like it, you can't complain about it being hectic because it's not, but it's not ultra chill. Like it's not, and it's and still got all the amenities of a city. Like yeah. there's like, you can get virtually anything here. Um, and if you want Western food, there's tons of that around, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like you, you can literally drive around the whole of Chiang Mai in like 15, 20 minutes, right? Like, it's not, <laughs> which... Like metropolitan Chiang Mai. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is perfect. And you're like a stone's throw away from like uh, the mountains and there's, you literally just drive a tiny bit out of town and it's beautiful like scenery. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I can totally see that. And, and, and it, it's interesting. I'm the same as you. I'm still like kind of learning exactly where I like, yeah. um, which... I think we'll be so my plan is to spend a bit of time out of Asia towards the end of this year um, and I'm just trying to work out where I'm going to go but it'll be somewhere like in Europe or close by maybe Morocco or something um, just to try and sample somewhere else that's not Asia because I've just spent like <laughs> so much time here now <laughs> yeah alright well I think we've wedded the audience's appetite enough for travel. Um, so I was thinking we, we, we could talk more back at, back in the work stuff. Yeah. And one thing that I'm finding a, a few people uh, uh, perhaps struggling with or is sort of like what sort of work they should do. Um, and I kind of wanted to get your perspective or experience on how you figured out what kind of work you'd be involved in. And it um, seemed from your story that you're trying a few different things and then now your role is a digital marketing role. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So, yeah, how did, how did you kind of find your feet in that? And how did you know you wanted... Because, I mean, like, there's a, less directions you can go when you have the restriction of you have to work online, but there's still plenty of choice. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. I think that the way that economies are going is that pretty much everything can be done online. I don't think there's... <laughs> there's very few like restrictions I've met lawyers who do like law online if that's what they want to do you've got yeah. online accountants so even traditional industries which you think yeah. aren't transferable really are um, but in terms of working out what you want to do I guess it's just like because you're never going to get a chance to do exactly what you want to do okay. um, which was the big thing for me I was like well what do I actually really really want to do and I wanted to you know, still be involved in businesses. I wanted to be a little bit more creative in what I did. Um, and it was just about kind of, yeah, just, just assessing what was out there. I tried the whole writing thing. Um, <laughs> the whole writing thing? Well, yeah, I, try, I tried that. But Are it, you saying that because a lot of people try that? Or? Yeah. So, wow. yeah, I tried it. And, I, and it was, and it was, it wasn't for me. Like, I've got, you know, we both know my friend George, who he, he loves to write and, and he can he can churn out what, thousands of words in a day and, and really enjoy the process. But for me, it's just not, it's not for me. But <laughs> I'm a little bit more analytical, I guess. Okay, um, cool. But also like the, the creative element of like, yeah, just working in and around websites and thinking up new ideas. Um, but... It's difficult. I think every, there's there's no kind of one size fits all, I guess. And you just got to kind of really understand what, not even what your skill set is, but what you actually want. Um, because you can learn it. I'm sure it's like you did, you know, you, yeah. you learn how to be a developer <laughs> and then that kind of then led to the marketing and the, yeah. you can literally learn all this stuff as you go. So mm-hmm. if you want to do something, just learn how to do it and then go do it. <laughs> <laughs> learn how to do it and go do it. It's like the full simple 
like dumbed down to like a you know the the simplest science is like yeah. figure it, figure out how to do it and do it. Sure, and I think the biggest thing that people like um, that I've spoke to friends at home who have been like, oh, that's super cool that you do that and you can work from anywhere is you've got to understand that people still pay for for stuff when it's remote. I think it's a big yeah. misconception that because you're remote people are going to like think that you deserve a quarter of the money yeah. but you're still doing the same job and and uh you know uh doing the same deliverables it's exactly the same thing yeah. so i think it's not undervaluing yourself and thinking that whatever you do or want to do is there's no market for it because the yeah. the usually i'm sure as i've been learning more and more lately like the more niche you get <laughs> the more there's a market there for you to exploit so yeah. um don't be afraid to drill down into a niche either okay and how, how would you describe your niche? And, and I guess, how would you describe what you do for somebody who doesn't do any marketing? And I guess we, we were actually talking about this at dinner the other night, like growth hacking is a bit of a buzzword. Yeah. What does it really mean? Like I've read a book on it. I still don't know what it means. Like <laughs> really, um, I have some ideas about it. But, you know, for, for people listening, maybe they're, you know, not in digital at all. Maybe they're, you know, a beginner. What would, how would you sort of describe what you do and, and what would be a good path to get into that? Yeah, so it's, you can kind of have like a, a very varied skill set as a, I always hate, I, I don't, I don't know, I'm still working out if I really like the word growth hacker. Yeah. Because um, as you said, it's a buzzword and I, and I don't know, like if it's the right thing to call it. But yeah. basically the, the whole focus is, um, just implementing uh, processes and analyzing uh, how businesses work and helping them grow bigger and faster. Um, that's the kind of nuts and bolts of it. And you, you achieve that through you know, a whole host of different, different methods. So you've got kind of you know, the optimization stuff online, um, looking at the content uh, strategy and how you're going to implement that and, and build on that. Uh, you know, there, there are a ton of different ways that you can you can build a business <laughs> and help it grow. And it just depends, it's on a case by case basis. So you have to be quite analytical. So I have to do a lot of like um, analyzing data and, and just understanding uh, sales funnels and yeah. and how people are <laughs> yeah becoming paid members of a platform and stuff like that. Uh, so it's all about just grinding out the data and, and thinking of ideas of how we can convert more users basically. Um, but it doesn't really matter how you get to the, the end result, but the end result has to be growth. That's, that's it. Um, and there's this thing as well, which is like, uh, I don't know if you've seen it. It's like um, the T-shaped marketer. Have you seen that? Um, no, but I think I've heard about it. It's basically like uh, turning, that's what a growth, mar uh, growth hacker is, like a T-shaped marketer. So you're not necessarily, you know, an amazing writer, but you're a good writer, so you can write good content. But equally, you're not like a, a data scientist, but you can understand and interpret data and, and offer suggestions based on that. Um, then you're not, you know, like an A-B test expert, but you can implement, uh, build a hypothesis and implement an A-B test and, and really learn from that. So it's like about having a lot of different touch points and then bringing them all together and appreciating uh, different parts of a business. Okay, cool. I know that's pretty... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's like some people are like, okay, I still have no idea. But um, but like growth hacking, um, you know, there's books out there that you can read if you're interested more about that. But what would you say like is your day-to-day your -day activities? Yeah. Uh, do you, on that T, are you working in, in so, one side a bit more than the others? And Yeah, so, so my kind of... 
I do a lot of like uh, a lot of content stuff because like I said it's not something I really enjoy um, a massive amount but I'm, I'm pretty good at it <laughs> I hate to say I hate when you're talking about your own qualities like that but yeah, so it's something that... Just say, it's a strength of mine. It's a strength of and mine. And nobody can hate you for that, I don't think. Yeah. You know, it doesn't sound like bragging if you say if it's a strength of mine. So the content, uh, <laughs> the content strategy is a strength of mine. And, and actually producing that, if I need to, um, is, a, is a strength of mine. Um, <laughs> but then I do side a lot towards the, the product side as well. Um, which is interesting because I know it's like kind of... There is this big digital marketing aspect, like the optimization stuff. But... Yeah, I really enjoy the the product stuff. So, working out how these technology products, what what they're doing right, and how we can emphasize that, and what it is they're doing wrong that we need to address and change the direction of the product. And yeah, so I really enjoy that stuff. So I do that a lot day to day. And did you learn all of this on the job, or yeah. did you? Yeah, you. Yeah. Your did your boss like um, sort of send you resources or um, put you on a certain path? Um, yeah. Um, so it was a lot of learning on the job. Um, I was pretty lucky because I had a lot of a lot of understanding of, of digital anyway from a previous job. So I, I knew a lot of the the terms and and understood how it all worked. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't really have a clue like about how like product development worked and how you map that out. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have a clue. And I learned it all kind of as you went along. Like Google is an amazing resource <laughs> and especially working remotely, mm. it's perfect. Because say you you might be, I spend a lot of time on Slack. You might be there, you know, typing away to a client and talking about something and they might say something and you're totally thrown and you're like I really don't know <laughs> and it takes yeah. two seconds to find out what it is and you can usually work it out because you've been speaking about it so yeah <laughs> awesome there's another benefit to going remote for sure alright cool alright so let's go back even further again right. and I just wanted to talk about if, if there if there, if there was any sort of um, barriers to sort of living this lifestyle any sort of challenges you know some some people have financial commitments relationship commitments you know I understand you weren't like had a mortgage or kids or yeah. anything but was there anything kind of holding you back and maybe it was even mental that was holding you back from this or that wasn't really a struggle for you at all no, no there definitely was I think it was fear of, of making the wrong decision um, that was a big, big thing. I, obviously, I spoke to a, a lot of my friends. Were like, "Oh, super cool! Like, I'm super impressed you're doing that." But when you're speaking to like your family, they're the biggest. Like, you know, they they were really set on me having like a, a really good career and and yeah, yeah building that up. And I, I was lucky in that I didn't have any commitments as such. I wasn't in a relationship. I didn't have a mortgage. I don't have any kids. <laughs> like none of those things were, were a factor. Um, but still, yeah, the fear of of making the wrong decision. But I've always just trusted my gut on stuff like that. So yeah. it, I, I had an inkling that it'd work out. But yeah, there was always a fear that what if I come home and I failed? But yeah. you never can fail if you're just constantly grinding. So <laughs> Yeah, I guess, and I think the only thing you really can lose with this sort of thing is time, because right. like with how I live now, and I think it's the same with you, is is we live in places on a month by month commitment, maybe even less. Yeah. Whereas if I went back home, I'd have to get a lease, you know, like a six month or twelve month lease, six months if I'm really lucky, and um, 
you know, or maybe live with my parents or something. But, you know, when, when you live at home, you're a lot more restricted than when you're out here because you have this opportunity to get, you know, small, I guess, leases. Like, you know, you could stay in a place for a week. You could be on Airbnb. You can, um, you know, like the place I rent now is... I haven't paid for next month. They don't even know if I'm staying. But if I go down there now and, and say, hey, I want to book yeah. for another month, it's all good. It, it, and I don't know whether that's just... I know there's places in the world you can't do that, but I think it's a... In, in, especially in Chiang Mai, you can do that. I think in many places in Asia, you can do that. Yeah, it's a, I, I think that's, that's true as well. It's um, When I was at home, I felt like super... Not trapped, that's not the right word, but constrained <laughs> by by everything you know it was like the fact you had this long long lease yeah like you said an apartment and it, everything is in a much like longer term <laughs> yeah. which which wasn't like right for me yeah. <laughs> and even the thought of getting a mortgage or something like that at that time scared me a lot <laughs> yeah whereas now I'd see it as more of an investment and not for me to live in it <laughs> so yeah. it'd be different I, I totally get that as well like Especially when you're paying like as little as us for rent, right. you don't think of, oh, damn, I, that that money should be going into like a more. And I mean, like it's it goes back to our values as well. We're both he- out here because we want that freedom and stuff. So I guess the benefit of renting definitely outweighs the benefits of having a mortgage. And if you know you've got a commitment on one single place, if you've yeah. got a mortgage, like you're definitely settling <laughs> down. You know? And I think the thing is as well, like I think it is. People, when when you say you don't you don't pay very much for your rent here, like I live in quite a nice apartment. Oh, it's raining. I live in quite <laughs> a nice uh, apartment, um, and yours is nice too. Like, yeah. you know that it, it's just like a different scale of you still can live a really nice life, yeah. which which I enjoy. You, I like like nicer things in life, and you yeah. can eat out at like nicer restaurants and stuff like that. And I and I enjoy having that option now, which I didn't have before. Um, so if I was going to go out for dinner every day in London, I'd be broke. I'd have oh, yeah. no cash. Whereas here I eat out three times a day and I, and I don't eat like, you know, like we, we had lunch and we had it like a, like a street, <laughs> street food place, but it was super nice. Yeah. But then, you know, I ate in like a really nice Japanese place like yesterday and you can really vary it up. The sushi am I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <I'm back. laughs> still going back there. Oh god, I love that face. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, we took we took Blake there like the first like dinner like he had with us here in Chiang Mai. But yeah, like the, going back to what I was saying, like it's it's just the only thing you risk is time, and I mean like you could be wasting time back in a job that's not yeah. getting you anywhere back home as well. You know, it, it's a bit give or take, but if you really want to, you know, you want to live this, you want to travel a bit, you want to see the world, there's ge- there's generally like, I mean, yes, you're going to, you know, like miss out on a few months or years of grind or something back home. But I mean, you, the amount of stuff you can achieve like as a digital nomad is, you know, you can achieve more if not greater um, and if you totally, if you totally like stuff it up, you still have a learning experience and you still experience the world. So I've never heard anyone say like, oh, I did remote work and travel and now I'm, now I fully regret it. You know, like there's yeah. not many, yeah, it's not a big risk, I don't think. But I think as well, um, I feel really lucky to have found this lifestyle at such a young age. Yeah. Um, I meet a lot of people, you meet a lot of people here who, who are a little bit older and, I've yeah been doing stuff uh, in their home countries for a lot longer, and 
and still feel lucky that they found it when they have but I feel like I've got such a big runway now to you know I'm still like in my I'm only 24 so yeah. technically like mid 20s early 20s still got a lot of time to get where I want to get yeah. um, which is I feel super super lucky about um, yeah. knowing that there's no pressing need to to settle down or commit to something like if I don't want to and there's yeah. no external pressures either at the moment which is it's perfect. That's awesome. Um, and I've got so much time to build stuff here. Like you, you gain way much more time in the day, right? When yeah. you're, you know, you've, you're, everything's super set close here. Like I don't have to commute. I don't have to um, worry about, yeah, the, the commute was the biggest one, which yeah. has sucked all my time, like yeah, two hours of my day. It'd be crazy. Yeah, but now I don't have that. So I've instantly gained two hours of my day that I can work on personal projects that I want to do, which I can see earning money in the future. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. you have some great opportunities to do stuff. Yeah, we could probably talk about like the benefits of living out here for like forever, <laughs> but yeah. um, we're coming to the, to the end of the allotted time. So I just wanted to um, finish on, you know, what sort of, what, what, um, projects you're working on other things you've you've done along the way um one of the cool things one of the things that i'm just like admire envy i don't know what it what you what the word would be but like you you wrote you wrote an article for the huffington post correct yeah yeah, yeah. so um, i got brought on as like a, a contributor yeah. at the huffington post which is pretty cool can you tell us how you achieve that or yeah so <laughs> i actually um i just literally went straight to the source and emailed Ariana Huffington. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. How did you manage that? Did you have a private email for like some sneaky? <laughs> I just I just found it, <laughs> and then went to her. And she asked. appreciated you emailing her directly. Or? Yeah, and she emailed me back. <laughs> I was like, "Here you go. Here's your login." <laughs> wow. It was pretty cool. And what motivated you to do that? Um, just to share. I think. Yeah, I think it's super easy to live this lifestyle and and be super wrapped up in what you're doing but I think it is important to share and it's something that share what you've done and, and try and help other people like yeah. get the springboard to do it um, because it's easy to to you know just get so you see it here so many people get caught up in what they're doing but if you have a spare half an hour an hour you should really commit to just helping out and trying to help yeah, people on definitely. their way that's something I noticed like the the lack of content I mean like people have been doing this for eight years now like I think ever since especially ever since 2007 when the four-hour work week came out I think that was kind of the birth of it but now it's now recently somebody's given it a name um you know and it's just reaching the point now where I think it's gonna explode maybe not explode in like crazy like everyone's rushing over but there's a good uh, presentation if anyone wants to watch by um Peter Levels and uh, talking about how he believes there's going to be a billion nomads by 2035 I think it is or 2050 or something and there's a there's a number of factors which go into that and it goes down to like the availability of cheap flights you know like and the fact that everyone's kind of cluing onto this and I think as people kind of see that what it is and look at the upsides and downsides I guess the pros and cons of uh, you know remote work they're going to, um, you know, start to feel more comfortable with and actually consider it. Because I, I, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but in Australia, I think the culture is definitely all oh, remote work, you know. Just, they just say no. They don't even think about it. They're just right. like, nah. You, you, they put it in the same category as, say, hiring an offshore 
person in the Philippines to do customer service or something like that. They see it as the same like offshore call center and that's all they think about. But it is expanded <laughs> since then, you know, like, and we're, we're living it. So we know when, you know, we can see it, you know? Yeah. And there's so many cool resources out there. Like <laughs> of just people like documenting the journey, I guess, you know, people on YouTube like yourself who are, who are putting out content of, of just how you found it. Um, and it, and it's super interesting. I think it's, uh, there's going to be like, you give it like five years, there's going to be so much out there and it will be, it will be super interesting to see like how, what the uptake is of the lifestyle, you know, I think it will be pretty gradual. Um, I don't think there's going to be any like sudden like spurt, but I think you will gradually find people that are just seeing it as a valid, viable option. Awesome. Yeah, that's a good place to end it. And we're actually coming up to the um, end and we both got to get back to work. You know, it's not all work. It's not all play here. It's, there's work involved as well. Um, but Blake, I want to say thanks for being the, the, the guest on the podcast. And I think this has been a really good chat. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. No Alright guys, thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about Blake, as well as everything else we talked about in today's episode, you can find all of that information and more in the show notes. Just head to christhefreelancer.com slash podcast slash Blake dash more. That's christhefreelancer.com slash podcast Blake, B-L-A-K-E dash M-O-O-R-E. And as this is the first week of the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate it if you could download the episodes, hit subscribe, leave us a review, or just share this podcast with a friend. All of this will help the podcast reach a larger audience so that we can inspire even more people to think differently about how they work and live. As an extra incentive, I'll be giving away a free 30-minute coaching call to the first 10 listeners who leave a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you didn't like the podcast, please don't leave a five-star review. I want it to be genuine, of course. But if you found today's episode valuable, please go ahead and leave a review. All the details on how you can redeem the free session will be in your show notes at christafreelancer.com slash podcast. And as always, thanks for listening. And we hope to see you in the next episode with Zach Young.